Hebrews 9 and verse 22. What the blood cannot wash away. Started it last week. I'm going to finish it this week. <clears throat> Hebrews. Wonderful book. One of the most, one of the most important books uh, for, the, for the student of the Bible. It's got some meat in it. By the way, you know, there's some milk in the Bible. And then there's some meat. Somebody name me something that that would be like milk in the Bible. Why is it, by the way, let me just ask you, why would it be called or referred to as milk? Some of the milk of the word, why would it be called milk? Easy to swallow, easy to digest, easy to understand. And then there's meat. Why would there be the meat of the word? What would that imply? For older, that's right. I mean, you got a six-month-old, you don't feed them a hamburger, you know. <laughs> they They need... You know, after about seven or eight months, you give them mashed potatoes. You move them up slowly, but they can't chew, you know, uh, they can't chew steak or anything tough. So there are different kinds of, of uh, studies in the Bible. There's some that's very easy. What's a milk subject? What's something that's easy to understand and easy to grasp? Hmm? That you must be born again? All right, that that's maybe not so easy. That's a command. Maybe not so easy. A lot of people like like have all kinds of things, but you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's an easy to understand. I'm a sinner. Anybody can understand that. But uh, Hebrews is filled with not just milk, but with some serious meat. So Hebrews 9.22 talks about the blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't just die. He was a bloody mess. Uh, he shed his blood. And Hebrews 9.22 says these words, And almost... All things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. So we know how important the, the blood of a sacrifice in the Old Testament. What was the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice in Genesis chapter 4? Both of them tried to worship God. Both of them brought the best that they had. What was the difference between them? Pat, do you remember? One of them had lambs. The other one had turnips. You can't get blood out of a turnip, they say, right? And that's where it comes from. The turnips, the uh, the flowers, the vegetables, everything there, that was the best that Cain could do, but God wasn't looking for that. God wasn't looking for the best that you could do because you could never do enough. There had to be a perfect substitute, and that was a lamb that was innocent. You don't find fangs on a lamb, do you? You don't find claws on a lamb. It's an innocent animal. And that innocent taking the place of Abel. And God accepted Abel's sacrifice because of the blood. So, the Bible says there's no remission, no removal of sin without the blood. But the blood doesn't remove all sins. And some people get shocked and say, oh, there's some sins it can't take care of. That's right. And so we were talking about that. Let's talk about just bringing our uh, up to speed here. The blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful cleansing agent in the universe. And I hope by the time we hit this, the end of this uh, service, the end of this study tonight, that you realize how important the blood is to your prayer life, how important the blood, of, uh, the blood is to your Christian walk, to, your, to the words you say, to the thoughts you think, how important the blood of Jesus Christ is because you and I have problems. You and I mess up. We say things we shouldn't say. We look at things we shouldn't look at. We go places we find out we shouldn't have gone to. All of that. How do we get it fixed? The blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. 
So it is able to cleanse our, our way, uh, completely wash away our sins and make us white as snow. Uh, it is the blood shed specifically on the cross that remits, removes, erases sins from our record and brings forgiveness from God. It's the blood. So we sing about it. But the blood cannot cleanse four things. I list four. There's probably five or six. But I stick with just four for basic things and, and uh, uh, just for practicality, okay? So, uh, what the blood of Jesus Christ, I gave you this as a background. What does it wash away? Isaiah 118. Can anybody quote that? Who knows? Jennifer. As wool. Very good. So, the stain of our sin is blood red. And so, in order to counteract our sin, it took blood. And it can make us white as snow. He takes the stain. He takes the punishment. Jesus did. So, the blood does wash away your record. First John 1, 7. Uh, let's go there. You're in Hebrews. Go to the right. Find First John chapter 1 and verse 7. First John 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. First John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, you're, you're, not, you're, you're maybe not able to, to you know, understand just how effective this is, but God washes away, forgives, cleanses out the record that's against you. When Jesus died on the cross, what accusation did they put up there on the cross that, that he was guilty of? He had, a, he had a, uh, uh, a, a crime that they put on top of his cross. What was he guilty of being? The king of the Jews. That was the only thing they could come up with that, all right, we've got to kill this guy who claims to be king. There was no reason. But in God's eyes, what was what was nailing him to the cross and what was crucifying Jesus? Our sins. All right? That was man's attempt to mock Jesus. But in effect, my record, your record, was placed on Jesus and my record now. He took my record and I got his record. His righteousness was given to me. My sin record was given to him. It's unfair. All right? So my record has been cleansed by the blood. Uh, my resentment, now Ephesians chapter 2, just for review, I think, man, I love this stuff. Learning just how God has fixed me. My resentment. Blood of Jesus Christ fixes the division between me and God, between you and God. People get upset with God all the time. Unsaved people, it's funny, atheists. I've never met anybody more angry at somebody they don't believe in than an atheist. <laughs> you know what it is? It's resentment. They don't like the fact that God's there, but I don't believe him. But he knows But there's a <laughs> resentment there. Ephesians 2 and verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now... In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are now made nigh, like, like buddies. You're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Took away the resentment. Took away all the walls of division between me and God. 
all the animosity, all of the anger and bitterness and resentment. Thirdly, the blood does wash away your regrets. Now, we'll talk about this tonight. Hebrews 9, 13. Back to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 13 and 14, Hebrews 9. For if the blood of bulls and of goats under the Old Testament, the ashes of a heifer, that's a cow, sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. A lot of times people would inadvertently touch a dead body or they would do something wrong and they had to use ashes and they had to use blood of bulls and goats to cleanse that sin. Verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, how much more shall it purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, no Christian should have regrets. You know what the difference between a regret and remorse is? Let me tell me. What's, what is a regret? Good. Should Christians be sorry about things that they do or they didn't do? Yes, we should have remorse. But should a Christian have regrets? You know, we do have regrets, but no Christian should ever just live in regret. One of the things that, you know, a regret is the constant remembrance of a failure, of a sin, of of giving in to, or quitting, or whatever. And that regret, no Christian should have that. You should have to have the remorse of doing that, but you shouldn't sit there and constantly be going over, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm no good. That's regret. That's regret. And you listen, the blood of Jesus Christ can purge your conscience so that you don't have regrets. You're going to have sorrows, but you don't have to have regrets. Last one. <clears throat> your reason for sinning. Romans chapter 6, we don't have time, Romans chapter 6 says you're free. Your very reason for sinning has been cleansed. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to sin, but you know, I don't have a good reason to sin, Brother Dan. I may feel like uh, getting angry and saying something I shouldn't say, but I don't have any good reason to do it anymore. Before I was saved, I had every reason to do it. I was God in my life. But now I'm not God. He is. And he says, don't do it. He's taken away, he's washed away all the reasons to sin. And that frees me. I now, I don't have, I'm not under the power, dominion of sin. I have the choice of whether I give in or I don't. And now I have the privilege of choosing not to. So, the blood of Jesus Christ frees us. But uh, the most wonderful thing about the blood is, as as I said last week, that it's always active. It cleanses us. It's constantly cleansing us from all sin. Now, I said last week of the, of the four things that it cannot wash away, I started with the first one, which is it, the blood of Jesus Christ, as powerful as it is, cannot wash away sins that aren't there. Now, that may be whew, right over the head, but let me just be very plain. If How many of you are saved tonight? How many of you are born again? Put your hands up. Way up high. Amen. If you're really saved, put up both hands. Amen. All right. All right. <laughs> um, if you're saved... All right, and there was a sin that you committed eight years ago, six years ago, five years ago, and it keeps coming up inside your head. And all of a sudden you say, oh, Lord, please forgive me of that sin. You're wasting your time. That sin isn't there anymore. That's why we sang that song. When you say, oh, Lord, 
Three weeks ago, man, I, I just fell. I was so stupid. I'm so sorry. Amen. God's glad you're sorry. That's a right, that's a right attitude to have. But you can't get a sin that's already forgiven, forgiven again. So, be sorry, but don't worry about the sin. The sin is already forgiven. He can't wash away what's already been washed away. Amen. So we talked about, go to Hebrews 10, 17. We're in Hebrews 10 and verse 17. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of sins is, verse 18, the removal of sins, when you've got the removal of sins, there is no more offering for sin. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to get saved again. Do you know, when I first got saved, I was 17 years old. It had been about three years since the last time I was in any kind of church. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, my mom took me to several different churches. We were all, I and my family, we were all just going along. My mom was trying to find a church where she felt like she belonged, where people, she felt like she uh, was, because my dad had left, and it was, it, was ta- it was tough for my mom being divorced and raising four kids. <clears throat> so we go from church to church, and I remember watching, uh, there, were, there were people who were constantly saying, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm a Christian. And I was confused. I mean, they're in church. I thought, well, if you go to church, you're a Christian. You know, I thought, and here they were saying, I don't know if I prayed right. I don't know if I prayed my, the prayer of salvation right. And um, uh, there were people who said, I think I lost my salvation. And I heard all this confusion. You know what I said at that point? I'm out of here. I didn't stay around. I, I didn't keep going to church. I said, Mom, I'm not going anymore. It was too confusing. But you know what? Um... Uh, uh, what all that problem that was going on in people's minds was, they never understood that once saved, always saved. That when you get your sins forgiven, they are done and dusted. They are forgiven. Uh, look at Hebrews 10, verse 10 now. Hebrews 10, 10. By the which will, speaking of Jesus' will, his decision, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How often? Once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by, here's that one again, by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness for us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So, here's, here's somebody and they're saying, I got saved when I was uh, uh, 15 years old and now I, I really don't think I'm saved. You know, that's, that's really, that's the devil, Okay. What you're doing is you're dealing with guilt, right? And you need, you need to own up to the fact that maybe you're backslid. But you don't need to get saved again. Does that make sense? You need to realize, you know, Christ died for what you got into and what you messed with, and he died to free you from it, and you didn't stay free, but he still saved you, right? So you don't need to say, oh, Lord, I, I need to get saved again. I need to get washed again. No, no, no. You need to get right. You need to humble yourself and say, I did wrong, confess it, forsake it, and get back walking with the Lord. You don't need to get sins that are forgiven, forgiven again. 
Uh, and I've said there are two reasons why people have problems with sin in their lives. They never were saved. Or they've been deceived into thinking they can never really be totally forgiven. And this would take me another, another whole hour. But to understand forgiveness in this day and age, I don't know if we actually do because we, we carry so much unforgiveness in our heart towards people. We don't know how to forgive and we rarely get forgiven by people. So we don't know how God could forgive us. If, if we have a, uh, if we have, uh, failed a lot of people, how do we think we think God sees us as a failure? And it's absolutely, absolutely breathtaking to realize He's forgiven me. He's, he already, He knew I was going to fail before I failed. And yet He still forgave me. Amen? So, let me just rush through this. So, you either, if you're not saved, get saved. And if you are saved, just get busy. Quit worrying about, oh, am I, am I really saved? Have I lost my salvation? No, no, no. The sins are forgiven. Then there's something I talked about last week, and I wish I could take time again. I, sometimes I think I could do better the second week after the first week, but false guilt. There are people who have a religious guilt, and uh, they, they, they carry as if because they don't do certain things, then, then they're, they're really bad sinners. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, when, when there are religious traditions, okay, especially in your household, and your parents really pour it on. Say, say you're in your own flat and um, uh, uh, your, your mom comes by and wants to put up that, uh, um, what's the holy water thing there, you know, by the door and wants to, the font, all right? And, um, and you say, no, 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 mom, I don't want to have it. And your mom's like, oh, you don't want to have a holy water font in your house? Well, then she brings in the picture of Jesus, you know, with the lamp on it. And she, no, no, mom, I don't want to have it. And they put that guilt on you, believe me. You don't need to get forgiven for religious tradition. Right? That's a false guilt. And there are a lot of people who worry about whether they have a little light under a picture of Jesus in their home instead of are they a light of Jesus in their home. Okay, so there's religious guilt. The blood doesn't wash away that. And there's abusive guilt. And I talked last week about how there are predators out there. There are people who will hurt children, who will hurt other people, women, and they'll hurt uh, friends or whatever, and they'll hurt them. And the other, and the person who's hurt feels like they're the sinner. They feel dirty, and so they're constantly. And there are plenty of people who are who are constantly in their adult life crying out, "God, forgive me for what happened to me when I was younger." You're not responsible for what happened to you. That scumbucket who did it to you, that person needs forgiveness, not you. And, and a psychologist will work for years trying to unravel all this stuff that the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away in a split second. Okay? So when, when, there's, when you've been abused, when people have taken advantage, when they've hurt you, and you walk away saying, I guess I deserved it. Or I, I, maybe I liked it. Or whatever. Forget that, man. Uh, that, is, that is not a sin that the blood of Jesus Christ needs to wash away. You need to realize... That's, that's not your business. You need to get healed, all right? By his stripes for healed. But that other person who hurts you, they're the one that needs to get forgiven. Does that make sense? All right. Now we go to the second one, Isaiah 53. Second thing that the blood cannot wash away are scars from sin's past. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 in verse 3, 
Speaking of Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Now here's the great truth of that verse. Number one, your conscience can be cleared. His stripes, um, his wounds, uh, being smitten, stricken of God and afflicted, all that, like we read, was the blood of Jesus Christ can purge your conscience. Your conscience can be cleared about some sin or all sin in your past. But here's the truth. But your scars will remain. Your scars will remain. What do I mean by that? Okay. Um, uh, the, um, the memory of, uh, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know how to do all these illustrations sometimes because I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody. Uh, but uh, let me just figure, here's Sean here. And Sean has got a memory of just a constant defeating sin in his life. He constantly falls into it. Just constantly falls into it. Over and over and over. And then he pleads and he says, Lord, I'm sorry. God, he, he just, he just, he repents and he gets up. And you know what? That's okay. Don't ever look down and say, well, so and so they've fallen again. Yeah, and you do too. Just man will fall seven times and rises up again. So he feels defeated and all these things. And then, he goes for a couple of weeks and he feels great and he's like, boy, I've got the victory. And then he falls again. All right. Here's the truth. Did you know you can get your conscience cleared? That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. It can actually purge your conscience so that your failures do not define you. Your failures don't ruin you. They don't damn you anymore. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But the sins that you do have consequences. For example, somebody, um, uh, I, don't, I didn't want to show a picture, but there are people who pierce their body and they put these ear holes and they make huger, bigger holes and they pierce their ears all up and down and they have piercings through the nose. Yesterday, Dan and I saw this guy and he had piercings in the back of his neck. <laughs> and, and, you know, all of these things, after a while, they take their toll. Say they get saved, and they take out all the piercings, but they got this hole in their ear, and the ear's dragging down like this, you know? You see, they got their soul saved, all that's forgiven, but they carry the scar of some stupid decisions. Here's somebody, and they got a, a pornographic tattoo on their, their shoulder, and oh, they're showing it around at work, you know? Or, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, the guys who have the most tattoos usually don't have a job. <laughs> but anyway, you're showing off, now you get saved. Guess what? The tattoo doesn't wash off now that they're saved. So the scars of your sin will remain. The memories of your sin will remain. So <clears throat> uh, scars of sin pass. Don't be so foolish to think that fooling around. Here's a young lady. And she's just turned 20, 21 years old. She's in college or maybe she's finished and maybe she's out. And she starts playing around. 
and she says, I won't get in trouble, I won't get pregnant, and then all of a sudden she's with somebody and now she's sterile. She can never have children again. That happens. You think that you can go to the hospital and get some vaccine and you'll be fine? Doesn't always happen. Sexually transmitted diseases sterilize more girls every year than you can you even want to know about. So here that girl gets saved. She says, why doesn't God give me a child? I have no idea. Your sin has been washed away, but the scars probably are going to have to remain. You understand that? That's why we train our kids, Brother Dan. That's why we tell them, don't do it. Don't play with the boys. Don't play with their girls. Don't play with fire. Because you could carry the scar for the rest of your life. Amen. So, uh, protect some things. Protect uh, your, your, your health now. Here's a guy, and he's been smoking 40 years, and he gets saved. And he can't walk from one end of the room to the other end of the room without sitting down. But he's saved. Yeah, but he's going to carry the scar of 25% lung capacity because he's been smoking. He'll carry that scar. So there are some things that the blood can't wash away. So here's the, good, here's, the, here's the best news. Listen to your parents. Listen to your preacher. He's trying to save you from a lot of scars. Jesus will save you from sins. Your preacher will save you from some scars. Amen. Three, the sins of the dead. Hebrews 9.27, quoted it this morning. Let's look at it again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. <clears throat> Hebrews 9.27. When you found that, also find... Uh, well, we'll go... Uh, I'll look at another verse before we get to Revelation 20. Hebrews 9.27 says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the... All right. Now, the sins of the dead are the sins of the lives now gone. There is no blood atonement for somebody who's dead. There's a terrible lie put out there that after death, you're in purgatory and all you need to do is just sit there for a little while and some friends and family will pray and you'll get all those sins purged. Guess what? It's a lie. Once you're dead, judgment hits and it's over. Once a person closes their eyes in death, there is irrevocable judgment. You have to have made your choice for Christ in this life. You must have been born again now. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians. Go back to the left. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Whoever finds that, put your hand up. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Besides Andrew. Have you got it? Okay. Nicola? He, sorry. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 there, Nicola. All right, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You must have gotten born again in this life before you died because once you're dead, there's no second chances. So there is, there are, not all things are washed by the blood like sins in this life after you're dead. You can't, you don't have a second chance. That's the truth of it. Uh, no matter, uh, there is no atonement for those who enter eternity without Christ in their heart. 
No, no, I don't care how much your godly grandmother prayed. Doesn't matter how many masses were said. Doesn't matter how much money was given. The blood of Jesus Christ cannot forgive after the judgment of death. Now, if you think you can do good works and keep the Ten Commandments and say your prayers enough to get you into heaven without the blood of Christ, then I've got a verse for you. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their what? All right, so some people say, well, I'll get there by my good works. Go right ahead. Let's see how you do. These people are going to be judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not good enough was cast in the lake of fire. Is that what it says? No. It says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So here comes Sean again. We'll use Sean again. Sean comes up, stands up. Sean, present yourself before God Almighty. President of the county, sir, my name is Sean. Sir, Sean, how good were you? I was a good guy. I was a really good guy. I went to Mass twice a month. That's a good guy. You know, Lord, I really did nobody any harm. I, uh, I always tried to be helpful. I loved my mom. And, uh, and the Lord says, uh, good, good, uh, uh, angel, is that good enough? No, Father. He's not good enough. All right, one last chance. Look in the book of life. Is Sean's name in the book of life? And Sean begins to perspire. He begins to tremble. He says, I hope my name's in there. I hope my name's in there. My name's surely in there. And the angel looks up and says, his name's not here. His name was not written down. He was not born again. He shall be cast into the lake of fire. Do you see how that works? All right. So the blood of Jesus Christ can't help him then. He had to have gotten born again. Jesus had his disciples come up to him one day. Jesus had, had put his hands on him and said, you have the power to raise the dead. You have the power to heal the leper. And off they went. And they came back and they said, wow, we've raised the dead. Lepers were healed. People were, were walking around and leaping and praising God. Even, even the spirits were subject unto us. Jesus said, don't get over excited. Get excited that your names are written down in the book of life. Because that's where it's at. That's going to get you beyond this life and into the next. So, the sins of the dead, somebody who's already dead, you've got a, uh, got a mom, a grandma, a sister, a brother, and they died. The blood of Jesus, if they're not saved, the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away their sins if they've never been saved. Does that make sense? You with me? Number four. The sins of the unsaved. Go to Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. 
All right, Matthew 1, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem. Who's speaking there? Jesus. Some of you got red letter editions of the Bible, so you know right away. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. You know who Jesus' death cannot help? Those who don't want it. Do you know what the blood of Jesus Christ cannot save? Those who don't want to be saved. Uh, go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And verse 11. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11. He, Jesus, came unto his own, his own people. And his own received him not. What'd they do to him? They crucified him. Wow! He came into his own people. His own people received him not. But as many as received him. Now to them gave he power. This is why Calvinism doesn't work. Calvinism, hyper-Calvinism teaches that you don't get saved. God saves you. You don't choose and all this rubbish. That's not true. Verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. And the truth is this. Unsa- Forget about going to the confessional booth and, and, and to some priest and trying to confess and trying to get all your sins forgiven you. Uh, Jesus said, Come unto me. You go straight to the one who offers forgiveness. If you don't want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, guess what? You won't be. Is that deep or what? If you don't want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, I look out on a sunny morning and I know some people, I mean, they're singing barely above a whisper and and they're barely here. They come in 45 minutes late. And, and everything keeps them from church. They never read their Bible in the last two months and all this stuff. And my heart goes out saying, what do they think Christianity is? They, they think that God's just going to understand. No, God does understand. God gave his son and he, he says, hey, if that blood was shed so that you could walk a new life, then walk the new life. But if you don't want it, why are you here? I'm glad for everybody that's here. Amen. I want to have a place full. But I really want everybody who's here saved. Because if you ain't saved, why come? Amen? Why come? Look at, he, uh, look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Verse 24. Now I'm glad everybody comes. And the Bible's not never tells us to have a church that, that is exclusive of of people say, are you saved? You're not saved. No, no. Jesus preached to everybody. Not everybody wanted him. Amen. They came into his own. His own received or not. But my heart burden, and it ought to be your burden, is that everybody who's here ought to be saved and serving God, not just here. Because if Christ is not what you're looking for, why are you here? Amen. All right. Look at John chapter 8, verse 30. What did I say? Verse 24. 
I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So he's explaining to himself. He says, I told you, you're going to die in your sins. Because if you don't believe that I am the Messiah, then you're going to die in your sins. It's your choice. So who cannot the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse? Those who don't want to be cleansed. All right. So is that real deep? Not too deep at all. What the opportunity is for anybody on this planet to go straight to the one who offers forgiveness. How many of them, I mean, especially at Easter, stuff, people go to confession, and they're, they're trying to do good works. They're trying, to, they're trying to work their way out of their situation, trying to work their way to heaven, and they're talking to the wrong people. Now, if someone does not want Christ, then the blood cannot wash away their sins. It just can't. Now, here's the great truth. The blood of Christ is extended to any and all who want it. And only to them. It's not forced on anybody. First John 2, 2 says, The blood of Jesus Christ was extended and made available to all people. But it only works for those who believe. First John chapter 2 in verse 2. And I think that's our last verse tonight. Yep. First John. All the way to the back. First John chapter 2 in verse 2. There's one other verse I thought of, but I didn't write it down, and that's in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy. It says, especially them that believe. Where's that found? In that there. Let's see. See if I can find it here while I'm thinking about it. Anyway. Look right now at 1 John 2 2. Can't find it. Anyway, look at this. He, Jesus, is the propitiation, the full payment for our sins. And he's not the full payment for our sins only, but also for the sins of who? Whole world. But Timothy, it's either Paul said it first Timothy or second Timothy, I can't remember where it is. He says, specially, specifically, of those that believe. So the truth is this. Let's go through this. Alright? What is the what does the blood wash away? Washes away your record. Hallelujah. You can, you can constantly keep talking to God and say, God, I'm so sorry about what happened. So sorry that I was so backslid. I was so sorry I fell into sin. The Lord says, I don't remember the sin you're talking about. Now, you being sorry is right. That is exactly right. But him forgetting about it is good. Thank God he forgot about it. He washes away your record. He takes away your resentment. He washes away your regrets. And he even takes away the reason for you to sin when you got washed in the blood. Now, what am I supposed to do with the blood of Christ? Uh, before I review the, the, the four points, I, I thought of these three things. And the first thing that you should do is claim it. A lot of people are claiming prosperity. They're claiming, you know, a bigger house. They claim, You know what you need to claim? The blood of Jesus Christ. What is it that God gave you specifically? Not money. Not even your good health. That's a great gift, but sometimes God can take it away. The one thing he gives is the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave that freely. Uh, I don't have time. I won't do it. But um, uh, you can claim, accept it as God's gift to you. Romans 3.23 says, by the blood, uh, uh, the blood was shed for us. Claim it. Say, Lord, I need that blood. Hmm? Secondly, plead it. 
Hebrews 10, we read Hebrews 10, uh, 17. Let me read to you 10, 19. Conscious of the time. Hebrews 10, 19 says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest, the holiest chamber in heaven, by the blood of Christ. Plead the blood. Use it. Uh, can, I, can I be kind of uh, practical for a second? Mona, the devil comes along and reminds you of some something that's just a mess in your life and says it's your fault. He just brings you down. Do you know what I do with that thought? You know what I do with the things that, that plague me? Discouragement. None of you have ever been depressed. I know you haven't. But Monday morning I wake up and I just feel like I feel like a failure. Because I'm worn out. It's a natural thing. You just sit down and you go, nobody got saved. I bet nobody likes my preaching. I bet nobody loves me anymore. All the stuff that goes through your head. You know what I do with those thoughts that come into my head? You know what I do? I take them over to an ocean of blood. And I take that thought and I say, go back to hell. And I put it under the blood. And I say, die. And I leave it there. Now, the thought will come back after a little while because they kind of don't die too easy. And you just walk back over there and you just put it under that flood of the blood of Jesus Christ and you just say, die. Use the blood. If the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, let it cleanse that thought, that feeling, that emotion. I don't want to go give out to Bill. I better take that thought and I better go take it over and put it under the blood. Use the blood. See, we try to use willpower. You don't use willpower. You need something that burns out the feeling. That kills it. All right? And then the third thing you do with it is you trust it. You see, once you put something... You ever heard this phrase? Put it under the blood. You know what? You ever heard that phrase? Put it... You got a, you got a reoccurring um, a struggle or whatever. Put it under the blood. Just imagine there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And uh, sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Just take that problem and put it under the blood and leave it there and says, that'll do it. And trust that it will. I trusted that the blood of Jesus Christ was enough to save me from my sin. I can trust it that it will save me from the guilt of my sin and the power of my sin. I trust it. Does that make sense? Last point. Let's review the four things that it cannot fix. All right? The first one is sins that aren't there anymore. If they're already forgiven, you don't need to get saved again. All right? Secondly, scars. Blood can't wash away your stupidity. Amen? God saves sinners, but he can't fix stupid. Amen? <laughs> and you, you may have to deal with scars for the rest of your life. Amen? But you're forgiven. Amen? Third, the sins of the dead. Somebody who's already dead and gone, you can pray for them until the cows come home and won't do them no good. And you know what? There are plenty of people in hell right now crying out, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Can somebody help me? And there's no hope. Without God, without hope. And number four, sins unconfessed. Sins of the unsaved. Here's an unsaved person. They've never come to Christ, never confessed that they're a sinner. Guess what? They can't, they can't be saved until they say, I want to be. All right, any questions before we close in prayer? Kind of some meaty subject. Yes, sir.
Yes. And really, what we're dealing with is two directions. All right? As far as God is concerned, my record's clear. But as far as my awareness and my maturity, my record is not clear. I've now stained my record again. And so the most important thing for me to do as a growing, maturing Christian is to own up to my wrong. And what, I, what you do with that, Proverbs chapter 28 says, if we uh, um, uh, 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 so confesseth and forsaketh sin shall have mercy. What's the first part of the verse say? It's one of the RU verses. Yeah, but what's the first part? Anyway, anyway, I do have to... Confess simply means to agree with. That's what confess means. Somebody gets in trouble and they stand before the judge and the judge says, did you do such and such a thing? And you go, I confess, which means I agree. Yes, I did wrong. Okay, so as a judge, God does expect you to own up to it. But he doesn't expect you to pay for it. That payment was made by Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So on a moment-by-moment basis, on an attitude-by-attitude basis, on a on a sin-by-sin experience, I need to say, boy, that was stupid. I'm sorry, God. I'm not getting my sins forgiven. They're already forgiven. I'm getting my heart right. I'm getting my fellowship back restored. He paid for that sin I just did. But like a child who has done something wrong, the way to restore that fellowship, or else God is a very dim creature, do you ever go, oh, you didn't, you didn't sin, Bill. I didn't even see you sin. It's all okay, Bill. I just love you anyway. That's a weird type of relationship. What God does is he's personally paid for it, but he expects you to own up to it. Yes, that is, yes. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest ways for, for a Christian to avoid chastening, avoid getting in trouble with God, is quick to confess and agree that you did wrong. When the greatest thing you've got going for you that most people don't have, are you ready? It's happening right now tonight. Is to hear a preacher open the Bible and talk about you. Because when I open the Bible, I open a book of the heart. And when I expose your heart, that is God giving you a chance to go, wow, I didn't know that I was doing such wrong. I didn't know that I was, that I was so... Uh, uh, so wrong to be doing such and such. And as soon as you agree and you say, Lord, I want to stop that, please, I plead the blood right now to, to, to wash me away from the power of that sin. God doesn't have to chasten you. But if you're the stubborn child that most of us are who says, that preacher's not going to tell me I'm wrong, and you harden your neck against somebody correcting you, then God has to pour the pressure on and the chase chastisement. If my kids... We're arguing at the table. And I say, stop it, stop it. Go to your room. I'm not going to have this at the table. Now, they're all older. I mean, Ruth, I couldn't get out like that. Uh, but say she was younger and the kids were all fine. I said, go to your room. I don't, I don't, uh, you're not having any more food. And if they looked at me and said, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have been doing that. Wow, welcome back to the table. All done and dusted. They don't have to go to the room now. But if they storm off and I'll leave them in the room till till next week, Amen. Amen? And that's chastisement. The Lord has to break us until we go, Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong. Okay? Very good question, though. Any other questions before we finish? Yes, ma'am. Um, 
Mm. Okay, what happens at judgment is this. They just lose a reward in heaven. Okay? God has a reward system that is crazy. All right? First of all, I don't deserve any of it. You and I can never do anything that can earn anything of value. And yet he wants to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay, so as I live, but if I start having my own agenda, and if I live for my own design and my own will, and I, I sort of, God's trying to make me like Jesus, trying to make you like Jesus Christ. I don't want to be like anybody else but like him. And if I keep holding him back, he has a, 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 uh, an award and reward system called treasures in heaven. But if I keep living for treasures on earth, I keep trying to wheel and deal and get the fast money and make, the, make things all work at my benefit, but I never invest in heaven, I go to heaven. But I'll get there and I'll, I'll see what life I wasted. And so, yes, there are people who won't get a sin right. And God just says, all right, I can't use you. Here's somebody who's very proud, very confident in their ability. And they've got great speaking abilities. And God called them to preach, but instead they use their speaking abilities to get on RTE and to be a great announcer. And they interview all these, you know, wicked people and they promote all kinds of wicked things like this. But, and they won't give it up because it's power and it's money and stuff. The Lord said, I have greater rewards for you if you'd use that talent, if you'd use that gift for preaching the gospel or for being a soul winner. And so they blew it. Now, they still go into heaven, but they held on to this world. And then they find out it was just sand. When they go into heaven, they go, I have nothing to show for my Christian life. So they still get into heaven. Wouldn't it be nice for people who have have God's given great abilities and great talent, but they've used it. I've often said this. I think, see this guy uh, singing and he's shaking his hips. His name is Elvis Presley. You know, he he got his abilities when he was in church. Southern Baptist Church in America, back in early 1950s, he was singing in the choir. He was singing uh, songs about Jesus. And then somebody discovered him. And he used his talent for himself and for the world. I think he would have been a great Christian singer. A lot of people waste their lives. Okay, you see how it works? So people who hold on to sin don't realize they're holding on to sin. They're holding on to something stupid. The Lord's trying to put something in your hands that will end up for eternity, okay? There are going to be a lot of tears in heaven that only God can wipe away. Yes, ma'am. All right, we got to close. Let's stand.